This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Forget the frustration of picking commerce platforms when you switch your business to Shopify, the global commerce platform that supercharges your selling wherever you sell. With Shopify, you'll harness the same intuitive features, trusted apps, and powerful analytics used by the world's leading brands. Sign up today for your $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash tech, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash tech. Good morrow, everyone. This is The Other Side of Midnight on 77 WABC. I'm Frank Morano. Great to be back in the saddle, although I did enjoy the day off yesterday. My sincere thanks to Anthony Weiner for filling in yesterday. I heard a good portion of the show. I thought he did a great job, especially for someone that has never hosted a four-hour show solo before. It's a very challenging thing to do, especially when you do the morning show the morning before. So it's a difficult thing just to do physically. So uh, my gratitude to Anthony Weiner for filling in and really my gratitude to the audience, because I know there's a lot of folks that are conservative that may not necessarily agree with Anthony Weiner's politics. And I heard from so many people over the course of the last 24 hours that said, you know, they don't agree with Weiner's politics, but they appreciated a little bit of a change of pace and to hear a different point of view than what you normally hear on talk radio. So I was glad to hear that. And I appreciate the audience keeping an open mind, especially for someone like Anthony Weiner, who has had so many well-publicized troubles over the years. Hey, by the way, speaking of people with a leftward political orientation, Richard Bay is going to be here in about 25 minutes. Love Richard Bay. He is a close friend and someone that I've always listened to or watched, and he's going to join us at 1.30. Former WABC radio talk show host in his own right, and what he has said is that what he'd like to do is be challenged by some of our listeners. So whatever your issue is, whether it's it's uh, Biden, whether it's inflation, whether it's the Supreme Court, whatever you take issue with in the news today, be it political or otherwise, Richard Bay wants to be challenged. So call in in about 25 minutes with your challenge to Richard Bay on any subject at all in the news. Be sure to call in 1-800-848-WABC. Some very interesting news on the Titan we're going to get to in a moment. To be. Beam me up. Continued. Ohio, ready for some quick mental health facts? Let's go. Nearly 2 million Ohioans live with a mental health condition. In the U.S., more than 50% of people will be diagnosed with a mental illness in their lifetime. Depression is a leading cause of disability worldwide. So why are some of us still stigmatizing people living with a mental health condition when we know all of this? Let's listen to the facts and beat the stigma. Ohio, challenge what you know about mental health at beatthestigma.org. I tell you, I continue to wonder why people mess around with TikTok. A judge in New Jersey is accused of posting inappropriate TikTok videos, including some filmed at the courthouse or in his judicial robes in clear violation of judicial conduct rules. Gary Wilcox, a judge of the Supreme Court of New Jersey, used an alias to post videos on the social media platform in which he lip-synced to songs with controversial lyrics. This according to the new filing from the Supreme Court of New Jersey's Advisory Committee on Judicial Conduct. Under the name Sal Torella, Judge Wilcox allegedly posted 40 videos on TikTok from April 11, 2021 
to March 4th of this year with a public account. He's accused of violating the Code of Judicial Conduct, which, in my view, he clearly did. The formal complaint alleges that 11 of the videos were inappropriate and brought disrepute to the judiciary, either because of the content, which allegedly included references to violence, sex, and misogyny, the location in which they were filmed, or because of Wilcox's physical appearance in the video. According to the filing, Wilcox was in some of the videos wearing his judicial robes and or partially dressed while lying in bed and filmed some in chambers in the courthouse and in a bed. This is beyond inappropriate. First of all, if you're a judge, why are you posting TikTok videos to begin with? Second, why are you posting videos with inappropriate lyrics or profanity or sexualized lyrics or anything like that? Third, why are you doing it in your judicial robes? Fourth, why in a million years would you ever shoot something in your chambers or at the courthouse? This man clearly lacks the judgment that I think is necessary to be on the Supreme Court of New Jersey. I hope this judge is disciplined, and I wouldn't be surprised to see him either removed or be forced to resign. We'll see what happens. It's going to be interesting. But if you're a judge and listening to this, please use better judgment. Beam me up! To be continued. Last year, it was well reported that the Republican Party had made some significant inroads all over New York State. Obviously, the congressional districts that were won out on Long Island, several state assembly seats, even in blue New York City, went Republican. And this year, believe it or not, the GOP has an opportunity to make some major gains. Yesterday, the Board of Elections, they ran the algorithm for the ranked choice voting contest. And we now know who has won most of the primaries. And it's created a very interesting situation in which you have one, two, three, four, five, potentially six competitive general elections in New York City in November, which is very unusual. New York City is generally a one-party town. You don't see that. The 13th Council District in the Bronx, this is a race that has gotten a lot of attention. This is the race that uh, Curtis Lewa was very involved in, that Sid Rosenberg has been paying a lot of attention to. And ultimately, the chairman's sister, Christy Marmorado, won the Republican primary. She won by a whopping 56 votes over Curtis's candidate, George Havernick. She's going to be facing off against Marjorie Velasquez in the general election. This is a very competitive seat. This is a seat of the district that Curtis won and that Lee Zeldin almost won. The Republicans have a real shot here. The 19th district in Queens, they're already represented by Vicky Palladino. The Democrat in that race is going to be former councilman Tony Avella. In the 43rd council district, it looks like there is going to be two Asian candidates, one Democrat, one Republican running against one another. In the 44th council district, there's a real possibility that Heshi Tischler may emerge as the winner of the Republican primary. They're still waiting for some absentee ballots in that race. But as of now, uh, Kalman Yeager, who's also the Democratic nominee, is leading the Republican primary by 25 votes. But if Tischler wins that Republican primary, he's got a chance at winning that general election. In the 47th Council District, it's councilman versus councilman. Ari Kagan on the Republican line versus Justin Brannon on the Democratic line. And even in the 48th Council District, with Ina Vernikov, she's facing a spirited Democratic challenger. There is a real chance that after this year's election, you could see eight 
members of the New York City Council be Republican. Currently, there's six. And you could see as many as eight Republicans in the city council. That would be unprecedented. We've never seen that large of a Republican delegation before. I think in part, this is a reflection of voter dissatisfaction with the Democratic Party, even in New York City. And in part, it's a reflection of Joe Borelli's leadership in terms of getting district maps that looked good for Republican candidates. If they do get eight council members, you got to give a tip of the hat to minority leader Joe Borelli. Beam me up. To be continued. Good morrow, everyone. This is The Other Side of Midnight on 77 WABC. I'm Frank Morano. During its final legislative session day this year on June 9th, the state Senate voted 62 to 1 to pass a bill allowing Governor Kathy Hochul to enter a new gaming compact with the Seneca Nation. Now, later that day, Word leaked that the Hochul administration's deal with the nation included allowing a secretly negotiated new casino in the Rochester area. And as that information spread, opposition quickly emerged from Rochester lawmakers. And so the results of the already cast vote were altered. Understand what I'm saying? They already had the vote. The votes were altered. By the next week, when the Senate posted results of the votes online, three votes had flipped and the official tally was 59 to 4. Several Rochester area lawmakers had been allowed to retroactively recast their potentially politically damaging votes once they knew more about it. And this is not the only instance when votes appeared to change retroactively on the Senate's final day. Chris Bragg has a great story about this in the Buffalo News. A controversial bill rolling back a major campaign finance reform law was initially announced as having passed by the narrowest of margins, 32 to 31, but then was recorded later that night as passing 34 to 29. You see, in the state Senate's rules created by the Democratic supermajority, there is no provision allowing votes taken by lawmakers to be retroactively altered. Nor is there any rule dictating the amount of time a lawmaker has to request such a change. Yet, it is a practice that exists within the chamber. Now, it's not clear how often such vote changing occurs, and there doesn't appear to be any publicly available record stating when votes have been altered. The only way to know it is to watch video of the original Senate vote taking place, then compare the announced result with the later published official record. This is totally bogus. What a fraud. They should not be allowed to do this. In fact, I don't believe they are allowed to do this. It's not in their rules. And this practice ought to stop immediately. Next year, when your state senator comes asking for your vote, you should ask them, are you going to put an end to this practice of senators changing their vote after the vote has already taken place? This is total nonsense. And we as New Yorkers should not stand for this. Beam me up. To be continued. I tell you, I continue to wonder why people mess around with TikTok. A judge in New Jersey is accused of posting inappropriate TikTok videos, including some filmed at the courthouse 
or in his judicial robes in clear violation of judicial conduct rules. Gary Wilcox, a judge of the Supreme Court of New Jersey, used an alias to post videos on the social media platform in which he lip-synced to songs with controversial lyrics. This according to the new filing from the Supreme Court of New Jersey's Advisory Committee on Judicial Conduct. Under the name Sal Torella, Judge Wilcox allegedly posted 40 videos on TikTok from April 11, 2021 to March 4th of this year with a public account. He's accused of violating the Code of Judicial Conduct, which, in my view, he clearly did. The formal complaint alleges that 11 of the videos were inappropriate and brought disrepute to the judiciary, either because of the content, which allegedly included references to violence, sex, and misogyny, the location in which they were filmed, or because of Wilcox's physical appearance in the video. According to the filing, Wilcox was in some of the videos wearing his judicial robes and or partially dressed while lying in bed and filmed some in chambers in the courthouse and in a bed. This is beyond inappropriate. First of all, if you're a judge, why are you posting TikTok videos to begin with? Second, why are you posting videos with inappropriate lyrics or profanity or sexualized lyrics or anything like that? Third, why are you doing it in your judicial robes? Fourth, why in a million years would you ever shoot something in your chambers or at the courthouse? This man clearly lacks the judgment that I think is necessary to be on the Supreme Court of New Jersey. I hope this judge is disciplined, and I wouldn't be surprised to see him either removed or be forced to resign. We'll see what happens. It's going to be interesting, but if you're a judge and listening to this, please use better judgment. Beam me up! To be continued. Last year, it was well reported that the Republican Party had made some significant inroads all over New York State. Obviously, the congressional districts that were won out on Long Island, several state assembly seats, even in blue New York City, went Republican. And this year, believe it or not, the GOP has an opportunity to make some major gains. Yesterday, the Board of Elections, they ran the algorithm for the ranked choice voting contest. And we now know who has won most of the primaries. And it's created a very interesting situation in which you have one, two, three, four, five, potentially six competitive general elections in New York City in November, which is very unusual. New York City is generally a one-party town. You don't see that. The 13th Council District in the Bronx, this is a race that has gotten a lot of attention. This is the race that uh, Curtis Lewa was very involved in, that Sid Rosenberg has been paying a lot of attention to. And ultimately, the chairman's sister, Christy Marmorado, won the Republican primary. She won by a whopping 56 votes over Curtis's candidate, George Havernick. She's going to be facing off against Marjorie Velasquez in the general election. This is a very competitive seat. This is a seat of the district that Curtis won and that Lee Zeldin almost won. The Republicans have a real shot here. The 19th district in Queens, they're already represented by Vicki Palladino. The Democrat in that race is going to be former councilman Tony Avella. In the 43rd council district, it looks like there is going to be two Asian candidates, one Democrat, one Republican running against one another. In the 44th council district, 
there's a real possibility that Heshi Tischler may emerge as the winner of the Republican primary. They're still waiting for some absentee ballots in that race. But as of now, uh, Kalman Yeager, who's also the Democratic nominee, is leading the Republican primary by 25 votes. But if Tischler wins that Republican primary, he's got a chance at winning that general election. In the 47th Council District, it's councilman versus councilman. Ari Kagan on the Republican line versus Justin Brannon on the Democratic line. And even in the 48th Council District with Ina Vernikov, she's facing a spirited Democratic challenger. There is a real chance that after this year's election, you could see eight members of the New York City Council be Republican. Currently, there's six. And you could see as many as eight Republicans in the city council. That would be unprecedented. We've never seen that large of a Republican delegation before. I think, in part, this is a reflection of voter dissatisfaction with the Democratic Party, even in New York City. And in part, it's a reflection of Joe Borelli's leadership in terms of getting district maps that looked good for Republican candidates. If they do get eight council members, you got to give a tip of the hat to minority leader Joe Borelli. Beam me up. To be continued.